0: You, you're listening to the Punk Theology Podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 25. I'm Russ Shaw, your host. Soon we'll be joined by Steve, the boomer, Derek, the millennial, and I'll be your resident. Gen Xer. Hey, how you know you woke? You woke, man? How do you know?
1: Right? That's the question we're exploring this here
2: episode.
3: This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcasting system. Shut up. This is only a test.
0: For more info on the punks, check out
3: punktheology.net. theology.net.
0: Well mother told me there would be days like this. Alright punks here we are back in back in business again. Um set this on a couple of blue moons and we're it's been a couple weeks man how you guys been
2: good uh my moods are very cyclical and so in the summer i tend to be pretty up in the last couple weeks i've been very up okay which is for the most part been really fun it hasn't been crazy out of control like it has sometimes in the
0: past. And you're doing kinda of normal workday thing where you're still working from home but you were out in the field.
2: Yeah, so today I gotta to spend the whole day on the excavator.
0: Okay. Which is
2: the best part of my job, hands down. Right. Like an excavator is basically just a giant mechanical dick that you use to smash things. <laughs> <laughs> like it just like hangs out there, there you and you just wreck stuff. And nice. Move dirt. I think it was a and Dropkick
0: and, uh, Murphy's video where they just destroy a oh, house with an excavator.
2: It's it's it is more fun for me than shooting a gun.
0: Okay. The really? Of,
2: the sense of power is so like, especially if you are destroying something. I remember I went out once and there was a 15 foot rhododendron and I had an excavator and I crushed the whole thing and took the roots out in like 10 seconds nice it was just just crunch pull yeah uh, and it yeah there's just something about and then you you know you're doing the work of ten men
0: yeah
2: in in seconds
0: hundred I years can, ago that would have been yeah, awesome
2: I can move I can move a yard of dirt in 30 seconds mm-hmm. and that's crazy right yeah, that's just yeah <laughs> and if I get a bigger excavator I can move a lot more than that All right um yeah, it's really, really fun. And, and I kind of feel like a three-year-old playing in the sandbox with his Yes, yeah, yeah. except it's life-size. It's life yeah, so it's really good. There's,
0: like, YouTube videos where some guy just brings his... He has, like, a five-year-old son. and I don't know if it's a day off or something like that, but they go to construction sites and just film the people mm-hmm. moving dirt or, you know. Well, apparently there's this... I
2: think it's in Montana. It's, like, called Man Camp or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and they just have things, like... Excavators and stuff, and you can just go to camp and and play on these giant pieces of heavy machinery and uh, blow shit up and yeah. Wow. But you know, it's it was a good day today. Uh, new brand new project. It's gonna be really cool. And uh, Is it was like a county project, private project. Uh, here? it's in the city right of away. City of Edmonds right away. Okay. So it's about fourteen hundred feet long, and I' taking out uh, existing ditch line, bringing it down about 18 inches, and then bringing in about a foot of special soil the top, or backfill, uh, make the ditch line flow better and then help take care of uh, drainage with the shit they have over there. Nice. Uh, yeah, it's fun.
0: does it yeah. work, Steve. Are you still working every yeah, day Yeah, yeah. It's picking up. Nice. Yeah.
1: They
0: I still haven't called back to work yet, called down there, like, hey, you guys still going to hire me? <laughs> like, like, yeah, man, but not yet. You know, we're still, you know, yeah, yeah we're
1: excited. You're the first...
0: Quick edit. As Steve just publicly said, the name of Russ's new
3: potential employer.
1: A are you I, I kind of forget that that's there. <laughs> it's right. yeah. just yeah. conversation. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good, though. Yeah.
0: Um, so, yeah, I'm not working and... I think I mentioned this in a past show, but it kind of came to new light. Last night, my wife and I watched The King of Staten Island, which is Pete Davidson's movie. Oh, yeah,
1: that's right.
0: Yeah, it's but really I didn't good.
1: I not it. I haven't seen it either. I've seen and it. And
0: my wife even, we we started watching it, my wife's even, like, looking at me going, this is kind of sort of your life. <laughs> my dad didn't die. Like, that's part of what he's dealing with. Uh-huh. And from what I understand about the film is it's a lot of his... This is a lot of therapy for the guy. Like, he went through some horrible shit. He was a comedian. He gets hired on Saturday Night Live. His life is going really fast and just, just about ended his life, you know. And in the story, similarly, his dad passes away. And he's just kind of trying to deal with life. And his sister's doing great. Like, she just goes off to college. I, You know, and I didn't have that happen to me. My parents got divorced a number of times and all this stuff. But I remember being... That kind of loser ass teenager, and I didn't cover myself with tattoos, but I was high all the time. You
2: know Do you I mean? have any tattoos? I don't have
0: any. That's tattoos That's fucking crazy, it's isn't it?
2: a life, and you don't have any tattoos. I don't have any tattoos. That fuck, doesn't make any sense I didn't at like all. Needles. So I'm, I'm part
0: of it is I'm ADHD, <laughs> I and I don't like needles That's or surprising. sitting still for long periods of time. I know, it should be covered with tattoos. Yeah, what the hell? And I, just, I just, I don't trust people. You know, I was a big part of it. Yeah. Hey, hey, man, t- and I have been offered tattoos, even free, free tattoos, out in the fucking woods in Granite yeah.
2: Falls. Yeah, don't do that. No,
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Some
0: drunk biker with, you know. um, No, so, but yeah, it was very enlightening to me. And it also kind of pointed to some of my ADHD, which has been really difficult the last few weeks. Like having. not having a, a routine of life for now, almost going on four months, where I'm just wake up in the morning. I got seven things to do today, Steve. And if I'm fucking lucky and if I work real hard and concentrate, I might accomplish one of them. <laughs> Yeah. And if I accomplish one of them, I call that a win. And it's not been, you know, it's not been good. Like, what did you do today, Russ? Yeah, I don't know. I cranked out a YouTube video, and I I made breakfast, and, you know, I don't know. It's just been, it's just been really hard to concentrate. I'm actually thinking about getting back on meds so I can try and bring all that back. Because if I got brought back to work right now, I'm not sure my mind could handle... Because it's... Sh- when you're working as a mechanic, it's much like when I was a machinist, you're working on shop time. And in shop time we used to have airplanes that were on the ground, like we're gonna crank out this part from just a chunk of metal to a part that goes on this airplane and possibly steers it in a day or two. Like You need to be on yeah. time. Parts of, part of that makes me nervous. And I don't know if it's that or just my own... There was some of that in the film too. Like art is good at that art is getting it's good at getting past your as C.S. Lewis would say your watchful dragons you know and I'm seeing that part of self-doubt and like oh wow and that's something that a big part of what people with ADHD struggle with is like we tend to fuck things up and then get really down on ourselves (laughs) you know we're inconsistent we're easily distracted we don't get shit done on time a lot and that makes life difficult and depending on and then you you throw in the kind of growing up in the tradition that we grew up in with the guilt and the you know like, the shoulds and ought tos and, and it just kind of com- yeah it just compiles on it. so learning to love myself or trust myself with with my current state
2: is been- the whole love yourself thing is great but it's so overplayed yeah that i've been doing it more in my head of be nice to yourself Mm -hmm. like that seems to land a lot easier for me yeah like just be nice to yourself
0: and i think that's a hint at getting into the the topic that's a good segue as well Mm -hmm. you're woke when you can love yourself what the fuck does that
3: mean
0: (laughs) (laughs) right What are you just, you know, an egomaniac? Like just, I just love myself. You know, I'm just fine. Fuck you. I have a problem with that. But but I get what you're saying. It's being kind to yourself. We've done some episodes on this podcast about parenting yourself. I've been thinking about that a lot. Like there's this little guy in me. When we came down here to record, your son was here and he was doing Zelda and playing video games. And part of me, it's like, oh. You know, that part of my ego is kind of like that little kid and
2: I need to be kind to him you know instead of and those are usually the ones that we're the meanest to. yeah those little kids that kind of fuck things up and send our lives on a path that we're not super happy about and it's really easy to hate those sometimes
0: yeah, yeah. I heard a pastor talk about that of all people <clears throat> Matt Chandler in the Village Church, which has zero fucking integrity in, in my book right now, which is all the cover-ups and bullshit that, that place has been through. But but that guy brought up that at one point, you know, he brought up that idea of God as looking at a two-year-old and going, "You need to get back. When did you fall down, you stupid, clumsy?" Would a parent say that, you know, unless they're abusive and fucked up and schizophrenic, but we put that voice on God, we put that voice on the universe, or whatever you want to call it that's above everything, it's seeing authority, everything voice of authority. yeah, the voice of authority and how things are going to work out future tripping, I think, is part of this conversation but, yeah I like it, Steve, how do you know you're woke, right? like, this was your and what, and what idea, and what does
1: woke even mean? yeah you know, is, is it you're aware, conscious of what's going on around you, your place in it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and is everybody's awareness or woke is not the same? You see that in society today. Yeah. Especially. What are all, all the stuff that's going down and the, the, the people that are participating in it are still... Um, completely convinced that they're right.
2: Or are they? I think the original intention behind that word was having a consciousness that expands significantly beyond yourself and your own little bubble. Yeah. Um, But I think it's probably been hijacked. And uh, both by the left and the right. Because the right likes to smear it and the left (laughs) likes to... Virtue signal with it, right? Um, and it's become more of an identity politics term, um, uh, and it's become more of a certainty term.
1: Um, so, would you yeah. consider yourself woke if you're certain?
2: I think
0: some I people think, would, yeah. even though that's probably the opposite of right. That's right, exactly.
2: <laughs> that's what, but that's the whole basis of that Christian worldview. It's like I know the correct thing and I have an awareness that all these poor other sinners lack Um, but yeah but when you kind of strip it down that just is the object of certainty I mean really that evangelical I don't know I guess it becomes it's kind of
0: Phariseeism right yeah that's kind of part of me that wants to take that word back Christian right Because Christ had a different... like Christ was killed by all the guys who were certain about
2: everything. It's it's fascinating that you bring up that, because Josh, my brother Josh and I had a really good conversation a little while ago about the PC culture and the problem with the left. Because growing up, my language was incredibly censored. Mm -hmm. Um, And the right was obsessed with controlling language. And it's been fascinating to watch that flip. And now all of a sudden the left is super concerned about controlling words. And these are words that you say. Oh. And these are words that you don't say.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and it used to be the, the opposite. The left was, you know, I don't give a fuck. I'll say whatever I want. Right. Um, and and it, especially the last five years, that's just come on super strong. Where they will shame you in, Austria, in a southern sort of way. Like yeah. that real hardcore Southern... A cancel culture. ...come down on yeah. you, like ostracize you, make you feel like shit because you... And it doesn't even matter how you use the word. Just the fact that you use the word is enough for them to really come down on you. And part of me gets it and understands that. and But at the other part of it is that I still struggle with is they, they don't understand... That censorship makes words more powerful.
3: Yeah. Yes. If
2: yeah. I'm not al- socially allowed to say something, and I pull that out in public, I have exerted a huge amount of power on every single person there. Yeah. I can sh- I can twist their emotions. I can shift their behavior. I can make them do things that they wouldn't normally do. And that's just a terrible idea. And I even your
0: opponents. It's like right. Don't think about the purple elephant.
2: Whatever fuck you think about, right? Like, yeah, it's a great idea. Political leverage, and it's great for rhetoric. Yeah. But in terms of free thought and freedom and expression, it's terrible. Yeah. And I've lived through that shit as a kid with the "Don't you dare say these words or I'll wash your, I'll fucking abuse you, right? I'll wash your mouth out with soap." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and And you're a millennial, which is
0: funny because that's the you know the generational. I'm the Xer, Steve's the Boomer but that's part of growing up in Idaho yes right? like you, yeah. you probably wouldn't experience that in maybe Seattle or LA or of these really not, lefty areas
2: I'm not I'm decently old <laughs> right yeah you're 37 years you're ago 37, you're 37 years. old there a, are still people doing you're that are
0: <laughs> right on the tip but of, but yeah. yeah and I
2: lived through that shit and I don't yeah, yeah. want
0: to do it I did that to my life. kids my kids yeah. are my daughter's 30. She's our older. So I I so. did that to my kids. I would much rather. No, I threatened it. I don't think I ever. I
2: would much rather have a rational conversation about when you're using a word and why you're using it yeah. than just throw it out completely. And
0: that takes being woke, if we're going to yes. use that language. <laughs> that it takes so it's emotional. So like, ah, I just want to punish. I just want to. Ah. But you pull back and go, oh, why are we using that word? Like, that's interesting. And it's also care for the other person, too. It's not trying to win or pick them apart.
1: So would woke be considered uh, compassionate? Und- or, uh, understanding? It depends. I think it depends on who thinks they're woke or not. That was my point. Yeah. Because I'm sure that they all think, those that are in downtown Portland and downtown Seattle and downtown, we'll name the city that those that are creating destruction and violence are think they think they're woke. They think they're right. So how do we differentiate? Because I I would consider myself a woke, aware rather. Yeah, you know, or woke.
2: Yeah, that's, that's that's always the are you woke in the right direction or are you woke completely or do you just think you're woke? It's the whole Plato's cave problem. Right. With that. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The, like and how do you know and there's a there's a whole the the analogy really expands beyond that. Like what if you're in one cave and you have this great awakening moment and you come out into the outside, but it really just turns out you're in a slightly bigger cave. Right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's that doesn't yeah. like and compared to what you were in before, it's fantastic. But the temptation to just settle there and be like I was in this horrible dark place and now I'm in this slightly bigger slightly lighter place and this is much better so I'll just stay here because I'm afraid of continuing to explore and continue to expand Uh, I think most people
1: end up doing well maybe it's like Pete Rollins said people ask me all the time what do I believe and here's what I believe I don't know what I believe you know maybe that is woke the, fe- yeah. the realization that you don't have it all figured out. What day is it? Thursday? And that's okay. <laughs>
0: yeah. And things can change. And you're honest enough about that.
1: Yeah. But there's a lot of... you got to have a lot of... Security uh, security's not the word. Confidence. in in being able to walk through whatever it is, would be. And to, and to face the fact, the potential, the possibility that you weren't woke all along. Yeah, yeah. We, did a, we had, a, in in college, I had a philosophy professor, and we had to write a essay on uh, how do you know right now you're not asleep and dreaming?
2: Yeah. Mm. Right. The better one is how do you know that you didn't come into existence five minutes ago with pre existing memories? Right. Uh, yeah. You can't. Nope. That's nope. Nope.
0: My daughter comes home and goes, Dad, I started this philosophy course, and she goes, How do we know our whole lives aren't the dream of a butterfly? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Like that's brilliant. I love that. It's ridiculous, (laughs) but it's brilliant.
1: And I'm glad you're
0: you're even that
1: would be considered a certainty. That you said (laughs) what you said. You know, it's getting it's getting that
0: generation maybe to 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 embrace uncertainty.
1: Yeah,
0: right. I don't know. Right. I think the quantum. Going back to what Derek was saying about Plato's cave. I think the quantum time loop movies and, like, Russian Doll, we talked about that. And some of these coming to this... It's almost a genre, you know? It's a a philosophy genre, because I think in those stories... Palm Springs is a new one with uh, Andy Sandberg, which is really good. Um, I really like that movie, because it, it shows that. It's like that thing. Like, you... You wake up and every day is the same. I think people that struggle with addiction kind of can can relate. Um, but it's also, it's different. Because you can do whatever you want, but you're going to wake up and every day is going to be just like the
2: one before.
0: And and you kind of got to relate. There's an interesting act of consciousness in those stories. And, and everyone's thinking without being totally aware of it. How is this story going to end, right? Like Groundhog Day. You go all the way back to Groundhog Day with Bill Murray. How is this story going to end? It's just what kind of keeps you watching. Because it's a funny, zany show. <laughs> every, every day he's doing something crazy, like going off a cliff with pucks Tony Phil or whatever. But it keeps you watching because you're you're in Plato's Cave, right? You're just going through different... The best aspects, of versions of
2: it. I think the best modern analogy for Plato's cave is the movie The Matrix. Yeah. Um, and I, l- the third movie was terrible. Yeah. yeah. But at the very end, they start. They don't pay it off at all, which I actually kind of like. They start hinting at the idea that Neo is just in a second Matrix because he starts to bend reality. Outside of the matrix, right. Um,
0: to his own will,
2: right, and yeah. that's its own like. How many? Okay, so if if the reality he came out into is also a matrix, how many matrices, matrices are there? Yeah. Um, and is that even? And then it becomes a question. Okay, if there's just an infinite number of of new awakenings and realizations, um, where do you stop? And say, I'm kind of content with this level of consciousness. And honestly, uh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not as interested in pushing myself anymore. Uh, or maybe just not as interested in pushing as hard anymore. And what if it's...
0: Whether it's Neo in the third Matrix movie or the 19-year-old in Portland who's mixing up Molotov cocktails... Like, how much of this is the feeling of just wanting to be... Here's something I've been flirting with. The feeling of wanting to be alive. I just want to feel like I'm
2: fucking alive. And that everything isn't pointless and everything doesn't suck. I can do something that will actually affect the world. Yeah. Like, that... That'll move the world in a positive direction. The more than anything the world right now lets you know how worthless you are at, a, at creating change. Especially right now. Yeah. Like, like, you don't really matter from a large perspective, global perspective. You're not going to move the needle. Um, not by yourself. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, you used to be, I you mean, know, when you were in a in a community of a couple thousand people being able to make changes and see changes was pretty easy uh, but making those lo- those really large cultural influential changes now is just uh, almost impossible
1: I mean I could see myself at 12 years old being down in Seattle and doing that maybe even as, as old as 15 just Random acts of violence, and if you'd have asked me why, I I could not give you an answer. Just because, I don't know. I just because, because I did some stupid shit when I was when I was that old. Not that kind of stuff, but still, just stupid violent stuff. And if you'd have asked me why, I would have not. I could not have given you an answer. I still don't know why I did it. And I wonder if these guys, you know, like that that I saw one thing in the news that they'd strapped some IED together and it blew a hole in the East Precinct. I mean, how do you get to that point? Yeah. Are you woke? Um,
0: At that point, a month or two later. but part of me, I'll say, and I've, said, I've probably said it here before, but I kind of get it. You know, especially with black people, and why are you burning down your own city? You know, it's just the racial inequality for generations, and at some point you have to you have to realize, like, you know, if nothing changes, obeying the laws and the rules doesn't really mesh anymore. Right. Well, and
2: there's also just like,
0: we want you to peacefully assemble. We want you to peacefully right. protest. Right.
2: Like that's what you, why. Like that well, didn't so so fucking change ignorant, anything.
0: Ignorant. So we're gonna just burn the fucking thing down, and maybe we'll get your fucking attention. Part of me gets that. Really? I don't. I don't agree with it. I probably wouldn't do it. I I don't know. I, I get it though. I get it because if I if I keep killing you, you know at some point you shoot back, right? At some point you defend yourself. At some point, that culture... I mean, just reading some of the news articles from... I read a bunch of news articles from China, um, from Africa, from Europe, about what's going on here now. It's really interesting. It's like, here's a country who's ignored an ethnic minority and has let... Law enforcement just run all over them for years. and they wonder why there's riots. And part of me goes, "Yeah." <laughs> you know? Well, there's As a blind American. Some, I mean, sometimes it's good to get a perspective out. There's something
2: of your about just the, that statement, because basically what they're saying is, we are so unequal that we can destroy the city, and it won't hurt us very much. Right. Because the privilege that we get from this city is pretty minimal, but it'll hurt the fucking white people. Oh yeah, uh, and and there's a contrast, and there's a sense of justice in that.
1: Mm. Of
2: like, I'm giving up nothing because the system I'm destroying doesn't give me anything. Mm. It or gives me very little. Right compared to compared to what the white people are getting. Yeah yeah. It's it's an easy sacrifice done. Like yeah, no problem at all. Yeah. wake the fuck up white people like yeah. that's I right. get that right. that.
0: Yeah, but I would agree with what you said, Steve, about Portland 60 days later. and it's just a lot of white people.
2: yeah yes. Portland is <laughs> doing this shit Portland is it's, Portland's its own thing. I love I at yeah, that too. It was right. a Mars Hill guy who said Portland is what happens when you let white people go unchecked. <laughs> And it's that's so fucking true, and and that's it's true. true. There are people <laughs> yeah. of color in Portland, mm-hmm. but not very many. Uh, and it's like, what the f- yeah? What are? And y- now that's not a lot of them that's doing
1: this shit yeah. at this point. Yeah, it's yeah. Yeah. no. That's the point too. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I remember age wise, uh, '60s in the in the protests with the Vietnam War in the '70s. Um, Kent State, uh, the National Guard came in, and killed the number of white college kids uh, in protesting the war. So I get the protesting. I just want to know why. And it, it, it most of it is anger, because I think, as I look back, a lot of my stuff was was anger. I really wasn't sure what I was angry at.
2: Well, I mean, t- teenagers, when you start to figure out how the world really works, it's right. horrifying. Is not yeah compared to the worldview that you, especially if you had a semi decent upbringing right. of how you thought the world worked, and then you hit twelve thirteen, and all of a sudden you start to get little hints of, no shit's really fucked up, right. really really fucked up, and I think it takes you ten years to get <laughs> used to it. Right,
1: right. Yeah. And I think also the fact that did we have outlets. At 13 years old, to talk about it. Right. No. Yeah. No, I had to keep. I had to cut my hair as my dad wanted it cut until I went away to college at 18 years old. Yeah. And Yeah. There's definitely the. They. I think when
2: you start to become a teenager, you start to deal with some of some power issues. Right. And that sense of powerlessness. No. Yeah. And there was just, I mean, just been a long-standing culture of removing all power from teenagers right? like stripping them down yeah. as and as simple as they'll go and uh, and art
0: does the opposite <laughs> like a rock stars and and even marketing I think one of the most brilliant marketing things I saw was Pepsi did a little thing and it stuck with me it was a the tagline was it just showed a bunch of you know, teenagers in the sixties, teenagers in the fifties, teenagers in the seventies, and then it said every new generation refreshes the world. I thought that was brilliant. And it's kinda true, right? Like the younger generation mm-hmm. tends to decide what's cool or not. They send it to set trends on, you know, fashion and cars, buildings, you know, this idea of design. Um and I thought that was that was brilliant art, you know, angry music, rap music. There's that meme that I shared on, on the Punk Theology website of the, the white couple who's standing outside their house and, you know, with guns, you know, yeah. in their 50s or 60s, and they're like, oh, yeah.
2: you know. That's a classic. It's
0: it was a, that, that was a funny yeah.
2: story, crazy story.
0: Yeah. But Fox News has turned our parents into what they thought gangster rap would yeah. turn us to.
2: to it's such a good line.
0: It's so true. <laughs> it <is> true. <laughs> there's, there's, yeah. this, I mean, You had me thinking about this. Both of you guys had me thinking about this Metallica lyric. Metallica is a band that went through a they made a movie called uh, uh, Some Kind of Monster. And it was about the band who gets back together after three years not seeing each other. Some guy thinks he's awesome because he's going to do a rock documentary on the band. And James Hetfield and a few other guys in the band getting this big argument. Lars. It was James and Lars. Lars. It's James like, and, and like, Lars. And then the... Lars leaves for like three years.
1: <laughs> but the band
0: went through this kind of therapy session. And part of the therapy session was this song. It's called Saint Anger. And, and this is kind of cool the uh, way, speaking of woke, uh, part of the chorus is Fuck it all, fucking no regrets. I see the lar- lights on these dark sets. I tie the noose around my neck, hang myself, saying anger, around my neck. I feel the world shake like an earthquake. It's hard to see clear. Is it me or is it fear? I'm madly in anger with you. And it repeats that three, four times. Um, and that's kind of the thing, right? Like, in our anger, are we trying to make the world better or hang ourselves? Are we trying to advance things or just
1: destroy ourselves in the process? I don't know. Or is it the anger trying to be heard? Because as I reflect on my own years of anger, it was the sense of what I felt didn't matter and I was never asked. You know, how, what are you feeling? Nobody cared. Nobody cared. Yeah. And could that not be a lot of what is acting out in anger and violence and destruction um, because it's I want to be heard yeah I want to be no, I don't want you to listen. I want you to hear me
0: yeah
1: or the other way around I never yeah. remember how that works. Um, because my dad would have said growing up, my dad would have said, well, I heard you but did you listen? yeah no. And I, and you know, even now, I think with my with my wife, that's one of our uh, that's one of our sh- hurdles, our struggles. Um, I just approached when we came. I got home the, from our last episode on, on the vagina envy episode, and I said, "Vagina envy tonight." She goes, "You guys," and I knew I did. Stop. You know, I'm not. She didn't want to talk about it, and not understanding it. I would have really liked to, to dialogued with uh, with a with my wife, but I really like to get a uh, a female's opinion on it. That's yeah, what's curious. I think we should definitely do it. Yeah. I I liked that we
2: didn't do it on the first one because I liked how fucked up and raw it was. Yeah. Messy. My sister, my sister listened to it and said I liked it and also really hated it and had some problems with it. And she said but at the end it felt very human. And I was like, yeah, like that is exactly <laughs> what I wanted it to be. Yeah. I wanted it to be a big fucking we're mess going for messy play yeah. spaghetti like yeah just throw it all out there and uh and and yeah we're ugly and and but yeah. but I think the but core see, that, of that is
1: that too that goes back to just being wanted to be heard you know to understand what it, 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 would be solid, it would be I think it would be awesome if we could just switch completely from female to male male to female just to understand what the other is feeling yeah you know? And what they like those like old
2: to. body switch movies in the eighties, early
1: nineties, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Pretty
2: yeah. Friday or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's well,
1: funny. even even the two last <laughs> yeah. the last two Jumanji movies. Oh yeah, that's true. You know, and, they yeah, were with that. The, yeah,
2: with Jack Black.
1: Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, did you all? Did you talk? Were you able to talk to your wives about it? Yeah, you know, a little bit. Yeah, God, my wife wouldn't even entertain it. She goes, no. Nah. And yeah. I would love to. That's it'd be it'd be fun to have your sister over here. And do a second episode on that. And mm-hmm. then bring me Shin too, maybe, but yep. yeah, just to get good. because there's questions that I'd love to have that uh, wow. my wife won't entertain. I think it's good. I think we put this one to bed. Yep. Yeah. Sounds like, good. Yeah, I do. Woke. Woke. Do I feel lucky?
3: Well do you punk? This concludes this test of the emergency broadcast system. Views expressed by Punk Theology are, just that, our fucking views. Oh. So get ready for a collective eye roll. As I get the old Punk Theology robot to engage in
0: some lawyer speak. So we can cover our asses, by explaining things that, to most humans are painfully obvious.
3: The Podcast The Punk Theology, the website, punktheology.com, .org, .net, etc., are for informational and entertainment purposes only and do not intend to supplement, replace or substitute any professional psychological, medical or legal or other counsel. The Punk Theology Group or The Punks, make no representations of being healers, counselors, mental health experts or professionals in any way shape or form artists content providers and or guests on or of the podcast do not warrant an endorsement recommendation or seal of approval of punk theology its current members or past present or future guests if you're struggling with, have specific concerns, or feel you're in a situation in which you require professional, psychological, physiological, or medical advice, the punks implore you to please consult with an appropriately trained and qualified specialist. Punk Theology is the property of Digital Audio Project LLC, who is responsible for its content. Punk theology is primarily funded by donations from generous listeners who have been impacted by its message. Go to punktheology.org or patreon.com slash punktheology to be a co-producer of the podcast. Thanks for your patronage, kindness, and ears that hear. The punks greatly value your listenership. Big hugs from all the punks and a big thanks for just effing doing and being you.
0: I'll be back. That's a huge bitch!